0: I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What a great day it's been so far with Jessica's baptism, and also later on today, we'll continue to have a day where we will, we will bring in nine new members, but you, we actually have 10, but one of them couldn't make it today because of her, of her neck. And we're gonna pray for her before we begin. But uh, it's an exciting day. God is good. So would you bow with me before we begin? Lord God, we thank you for a day where we have seen a young lady take the step of obedience before mankind and declare you are Lord, and that you're her Savior. Lord God, I thank you for that. What a joy it brings to me. What a joy it brings to those who have witnessed that. And we witness that, and we can see that because it's salvation. It is the gospel on display. And Lord God, thank you. I pray this morning for one of the new members Linda Gaddy. Lord, you know what she goes through pain wise, the, the chronic pain, but yet she has a spirit and a love for the people around her and a love for you that's infectious. Lord God, I pray for her. I ask, Lord, that you give her relief. Also, find a way that she can find doctors, medical teams that can address the issue. But Lord God, keep her spirit up. Keep her looking towards you. And Lord God, I pray for others in our congregation as well. Those who are are confined to, to a wheelchair. Those who deal with chronic pain. Those who deal with the pain that goes with the pain. Lord God, uplift them. Give them strength, your strength, so let me mount up like wings of eagles. Lord God, I pray for Jeanette Kopp this morning. I pray for her because of the loss of a close and only aunt that's left. Give peace and give her mother peace. We look towards the other side. Father, as we come to you today, as we come to your word, may your Spirit teach us as is promised. May we understand that you give gifts so we can give to others. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be beginning a new sermon series that will take us into the middle of October, God willing. Now, the series, I talked to some people. I I think I have a, a screw loose some of the time because I just... We just finished a book, the book of Revelation. And that, folks, was probably one of the hardest books that I ever taught to try to bring to you we, where we can understand God's timing in the world. Well, we're going to begin today a, a series on spiritual gifts. And you might ask, why? Well, what, what spiritual gifts and what, what are they and why they matter? That's what we're going to be talking about. And it's a series that I pray will teach us from the scriptures, from the scriptures, what's what, why, what we what we can learn. We, if we go outside what the Bible teaches, we can go into crazy town. But if we don't go delve into what the Bible teaches and we don't use the spiritual gifts that God has given us, we can also go into dry, dead town. The series is called Gifted to Serve. And I suppose you would wonder, well, why are we going to embark on such a journey when there seems to be so many different camps, so many different parties, so many different beliefs when it comes to spiritual gifts' uses? And because there are so many different uses or beliefs and opinions and practices, even the topic, mind you, it can bring division. I know you would never think that, right? People aren't divided on spiritual gifts, right? Wrong. And I understand this, but I know what the Scriptures declare that God has given spiritual gifts to every single person who has exercised faith in Christ for salvation. Every single person. And I also believe that every one of these gifts have been given for one purpose. One purpose and one person only, one purpose only to build up the body of Christ. And as we begin, I would ask you again to take, make your way to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And verse 1 gives us another reason why we need to address the topic. Paul simply wrote, now concerning spiritual gift, brothers, and I would add sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed now, what's the logical inference there? That many people are not informed. Paul's saying that understanding and knowing what spiritual gifts are is important. And because we have been commanded to preach the whole counsel of God, this is what hangs over me. We've been commanded to preach the whole counsel of God. That's why we're going to do this. And I know that much can be learned and can be very beneficial to all of us here and all of us who are listening. And perhaps no better Sunday than today when we can see and will see the diversity of people, the diversity of people that will come before us today to be, what would the word be, to be just taken in by our body to be one with us males females different ethnic groups come together so we can serve each other and that's why we'll begin the subject and as a foundation we need to lay we need to lay we lay a foundation before we even begin to speak So the verses I chose this morning, I'm going to lay a foundation. If you have a handout and you're going to take notes, I would ask you to turn the note to the opposite side because that's the introduction, and the introduction is almost as long as the passage today. So you might want to write on the other side. Well, gifts have been given to build up the body. That is the first thing. They've also been given to bring unity to the church. And at a later date, we'll find out why gifts are given to edify the church. Well, earlier this morning, Tom read a passage from Ephesians 4. And if you have your Bibles with you or if you need your phone, get on your phone or your iPad and click to Ephesians or turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to emphasize and concentrate on verses 11 through 16. 11 through 16. Now, the Word of God says, and He, now this is speaking of the Lord, and He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, if you would notice here, Paul isn't speaking about gifts right here. He's speaking about gifted people rather than the gifts. But I want us to understand, hear me, I want to make a logical connection here. It is the case that those who are called prophets, they have the gift of prophecy. God has given them the gift of prophecy. So the teachers, if they are teachers, they have been given the gift of teaching what I'm arguing here is Paul is speaking about those who have been given spiritual gifts themselves. Am I, do you, are you tracking? you understanding? Okay, I want to make sure because this can be confusing. All right, to do what? To do what? To build up the body. Verse 16 says, so that the whole body be joined and held together. Verse 12 of the same passage adds, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That is you. That is you. That's all of us. And it's to build up the body. Whether we're talking to a friend about Christ, if they're, not a, if they're pre-Christian, if they come to Christ, that's building the body. We're also building the body by telling others about what in the world, what is God talking about here? What are the doctrines of the faith? We're building up the body by teaching, by the gifts. Another way to say it, we've all been gifted to serve, every single one of you. And notice something about this passage. Does it say anywhere? Make sure you look. Does it say anywhere that these gifts, gifts are given so we can realize our true potential? I'll wait. No. It's up, it's, it's so the body of Christ can be built up. Gifts have been given to build up the body. The second reason. Gifts have been given by God to bring unity to the body. Unity. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I hope you kept your finger in that that particular book. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at the middle, starting at the middle of verse 24. Middle of verse 24. But God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no divisions in the body, But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Church, this passage is simply stunning. Because God has given each of us gifts so that we would not be divided, given us different gifts so that we would not be divided, but we would be united. United. Bring us together. Thomas Schreiner writes, and I quote, as we exercise our gifts, we demonstrate that we care about what is happening in one another's lives, that we truly love one another, what this means is, is expressed in a very practical way. If one of the members of the church is hurting, we grieve with them, and if one of our members is rejoicing, we rejoice with them. The gifts are cruciform. Now I had to look what cruciform up what cruciform meant. I I have no idea what he was talking about here. I'm admitting my ignorance. What it means is having the shape of the cross. For as we exercise the gifts, we give ourselves for the sake of others, just as Christ did on the cross. Now, think practically with me. I already mentioned Rusty, and I say thank you. Do you know why he did that? For his love of the body of Christ? The folks who prepare the meal that we'll get to eat later, do you know why they're doing that? They're not getting paid. They haven't had their salaries boosted. They're doing it because they love the body of Christ, and through that, they're loving Jesus himself. When a group of believers meet together to encourage people, to admonish someone, to get together and pray, why do you do that? To build up the body of Christ, to love them. When a teacher takes the time to prepare a Sunday school lesson why is he doing that or she doing that so she or he can build up the body of Christ through what they have learned and the gifts that God has taught them they're doing it for others when a church shows kind concern for love for a love of one another church people hunger for that Those on the outside, they hunger. I want some of that. It builds up the body. This might be a check for some of us. Instead of worrying about being fed or, having, or worrying about having my needs met, we all should be thinking, am I loving people like that? Am I reaching out to those who are hurting? Am I rejoicing to those with those who rejoice? Am I weeping with those who weep? That is truly sacrificially caring for one another. And it will draw others to Christ. That's the introduction. Now you can flip the page over if you're taking notes. I'd like to use the rest of our time this morning... Discovering more about what unity that we have in Christ. In fact, unity with every other believer on the earth. The sermon is entitled, One Body, One Baptism. And because we've had the honor of witnessing a baptism this morning and we'll have the pleasure of welcoming new members into our local church body, I'd like to concentrate on our unity together. I know I'm, it sounds like a broken record. I'm not click, it's not catching and going back to unity. It's, but, but it is, but it is. Even though we're all different, we're all unified. How so? Well first, we're all unified in one body. Now I know it's simplistic. I had to sing yesterday at, at a graveside of Melvin Nickel. I'm not going to sing for you today. You can thank me later. But the children's song Jesus Loves Me, it has good theology. It goes like this. Again, I'm not going to sing it because I, I don't want to have people run out the door. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Now, dare I expand this to adults? We shall. We shall. Dare I expand this to the Baptists down the road, to the Presbyterians, to the Pentecostals? We shall. Now, shall we expand it to those on your right and your left, behind you and in front of you? We shall. Christ died for sinners of all races, and sinners of both sexes. Verse 12 of chapter 2 of chapter verse 12 of chapter 12 says for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ. Now I might have assumed that you understand what the body of Christ, when I'm speaking of the body of Christ, what I'm talking about, and what the biblical writer of is meant about this when the word body is used, it's a picture. It's a picture of of who we are as Christians. We're 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 one body, but have many, many, many different functions, many, many different parts. It's a picture of the church and the church being saved, all the church being saved through faith in Jesus. Everyone is a part of it. Not, I'm not saying everyone, okay? Let me backtrack. Everyone who has professed faith in Christ is part of this. They're part of the organism, the church universal. But everyone is made up made up of different parts and different functions, but all being fused together in the body of Christ. In two weeks, we're going to discuss in more detail, but only to say, without everyone working in sync, everyone suffers. Without everyone working in sync, the whole body suffers. If everyone who is placed sovereignly by God, in our case at Rosedale Bible Church, does their part, the body of Christ will flourish here. It will flourish. Now quickly look back to verse 11 in the same chapter here. It's just one verse prior. And I want to illustrate what Paul meant when he's speaking about different gifts given to members of one body. I capitalize one, O-N-E, One body. Now, all these, he's speaking of different gifts given to different members. Again, we're in verse 11, are empowered by one and the same spirit. This spirit is the Holy Spirit of God, the only one, capital S, the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the triune God. He has wishes. He has his will. He does what he would please who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We'll get to this later, but, but I want to be an ear. No, but I want to be a foot. But I want to be... No, you don't necessarily want to be the mouthpiece. But if God places you as that, if he gives you the gift... The bottom line is that the Holy Spirit has a sovereign divine for the body of Christ. The Spirit of God lives in the body to do one thing, to cause all the different functions to point to Christ and make sure that Christ is manifested in the body. Now look back at verse 12. Again, I read... For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. The body is one, it has many members. Then he turns around and says, All the members, though many, are one body. Do you think that he's trying to get the point across? Many members, one body, one member, one, one body, many members. But look at the last part of of the verse. So it is with Christ. Why didn't he just say, so it is with the church? I had to think about that. Because the body of the Christ is the church. Why didn't he say that? Because he was writing to the church at Corinth. Corinth. Regarding the church at Corinth, Paul was writing to a very disconnected group of believers. This is kind of when I, if you go to the name of different churches on different websites, if somebody calls themselves the church of Corinth or the Corinthians, do you guys understand the context of that? But they were believers nonetheless. What's the backstory? Well, some in the group were jealous of each other. Some had definite favorites about who their favorite preacher or pastor was. Some were hogging all the food, eating and drinking before the other less influential people, I would say, we had the free who were able to come, who the rich. And they were eating and drinking at the Lord's table and they were actually even getting drunk before some of the poorer people who couldn't get off work made it to the service. What does it mean then, so it is with Christ? MacArthur is helpful here and he writes, why doesn't he say, so the church is one body? Because the church is Christ." And this is what he wants to emphasize. He is emphasizing the fact that you, sit, you and I, as believers, are one with the living Christ, that we are one living organism, through which pulses the eternal life of God by the Spirit of Christ living in us. Close quote. We're more than a social club. We have the Spirit of Christ living in us. You have the Spirit of Christ living in you. It's Christ's life that fuses everything together. And we'll see that in the weeks to come, even though we've been gifted with a spiritual gift, a particular spiritual gift. To help build each other up, we're Christ. And by that, I mean that we are the only Christ Hear me. We are the only Christ that the world will ever see. Evangelist Greg Lorry likes to say, and I've heard him on the radio a few times, he says this Jesus with skin on. Are you there? Are you exercising the spiritual gift? Can you see how it's so important to do that? Truth. Christ incarnated himself once in a single body. He has incarnated himself again in all of our bodies and made the one body that is Christ in the world. We are Christ. That's his point. And he's emphasizing the incarnation of Jesus in his church, in his body. It is a living incarnation. I am not saying we are little gods. Please do not even go there. But we're Christ's body on earth. Christ alive in me. He is alive in you. He's our only hope of glory. He's alive in every believer. Now that's what salvation means. All of us. You're all one in Christ Jesus. We are all unified in one body. We must strive to live that way. That's why it breaks my heart when we don't. Well, how else are we joined? How else are we joined together as one? We're all baptized into one body. Now, you might be tempted to think, when I word, use the word baptized or being baptized as being all wet. Now, the Greek word baptizo, it means immerse. It does mean that. For those of you, do any of you like pickles? If you don't, just ignore me. You take a cucumber, and you put it in this brine, and you let it sit. I think you boil it. Do you, do you cook it? I'm asking my wife for help here. But you put it in a brine solution, and it becomes immersed in what's around it. The cucumber becomes a pickle. Now, I'm not saying that we're pickles, but that's what baptizing means. But In this context, the context of what Paul is writing here, that would be wrong. He's not talking about water baptism, even though we saw this today. It is a picture. It's a picture of a spiritual reality, just as communion is when we come and remember the Lord's death, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's a visible picture of what has taken place. In this fact today, when Jessica turned from her sins and believed. Well, let's look at the first part of verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Now, some groups of believers, Pentecostals and some Charismatics, have often argued that this is a baptism, that the baptism of the Spirit occurs or happens at a different time after conversion. And that involves a special empowering for service. And in some cases, they have stressed that this is a mark of spiritual maturity. Now, can you see how this is going to be in a little bit? We have to look at the Scriptures here to make sure what, what does God's Word say about this. Is it a mark of spiritual maturity? Now, there are some good solid people that believe this. Good solid people. But we need to look at the scriptures to understand what baptism is for every believer, what it means for every, entails for every believer. Because Paul covers the gamut. All right, so look back at the verse. Let's see. We have Jews. And then we have Greeks. What that means is we have Jews and then everybody else. That covers the whole gamut. Now let's go to the social end of it. We have slaves and we have free. That's covering everybody else. Everyone is a part of this verse if you are a Christian. None are left out. You're a part of this. what then is being taught about baptism here schreiner is again very helpful and i quote paul's words about the baptism of the spirit bring to mind other texts in the new testament that refer to the same theme five texts apart from 1 corinthians 12:13 refer to the baptism of the spirit matthew 3:11 mark 1:8 luke 3:16 acts 1:5 and 11:16 It is striking that all five of these texts contain prophecy about Jesus baptizing His followers with the Holy Spirit. In other words, these five texts are, in a sense, just one text, for they are either gospel parallels or they restate the promise that Jesus would baptize with the Spirit. So once we quote one of these verses, we have quoted them all for they all say essentially the same thing. We're only going to look at one of them for time's sake and for your sanity's sake. Matthew, talking about the Matthew passage, Matthew 3.11, and John the Baptist is here. He's foretelling what Jesus will do concerning salvation later on. This is before Jesus or John baptizes Jesus. John says... I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All right, cutting to the chase. Two types of people in that verse. Two types. Those who are baptized by the Spirit and who are Christ's and those who will be baptized with fire, meaning judgment. You're either baptized by Christ into his body or judged eternally in the lake of fire. There's much more to discuss here, but we'll do that again in a few weeks. Remember, this is just an introduction. What we need to know is this. We were all baptized with or in the Holy Spirit by Christ. He is the one who sent the Spirit. He is the one that baptizes. And that takes place at conversion. We are all unified in one body. We are all baptized into one body. And our final unifying point this morning that all Christians share or we are all nourished by one spirit. Another way to say it might be this, that when we're born again, when you, we, all of us were saved, we were not only placed into the Lord Jesus' body, we had the Holy Spirit placed into us. Ephesians says we were sealed Ephesians 1.13, in him, speaking of Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possessions of it to the praise of his glory. In 1 Corinthians, Paul simply writes in the last half of verse 13 And all were made to drink of one Spirit. All were made to drink of one Spirit. A commentator says this, At conversion, Jesus Christ plunged believers into the Holy Spirit so that we were immersed with the Spirit when we were saved. In the same way, at our conversion, we are made to drink of the Spirit and we live because we drink from the water of life. The one we are immersed into is the one we drink from. It isn't a second working of grace, it isn't having more Spirit than the next person. No, it is written, it was written in in John 3 For he, Jesus, to whom has sent, God has sent, utters the words of God, for He gives the Spirit without measure. You're not going to gain any more of the Spirit. You have everything that you're ever going to get. But we squash the Spirit, don't we, at times? When we refuse to be led by Him, Another commentator sums it up this way, and we'll finish here. When we trust in Christ, we're completely immersed into the Spirit and completely indwelt by Him. God has nothing more to put into us. He has put His very self into us, and that cannot be exceeded. What is lacking is our full obedience, our full trust, our full submission, not His full salvation indwelling, dwelling or blessing. It is my prayer that you will take time to to study with me, to to be with us in this six-week study. I truly believe that the Lord is equipping us as a church and you as members of this church to better serve him. And when we truly understand that all of us have been placed here for a purpose, every one of us have been sovereignly placed here. And when we cherish each other's differences while understanding our commonality, God will indeed move in ways that we could never imagine. Church, you have been gifted to serve.